Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Come with me to Psalm chapter 51, verses 10 through 15. I'm going to talk to you about something today called get your heart right. And I think that that phrase, get your heart right, I want you to think about it throughout the message. And I even want you to maybe say it to yourself a couple times. If, if when I bring a certain point up, if you start going, yeah, but this is what happened, I want you to say it to yourself. Say, get your heart right. Talk to yourself. Say, get your heart right. Let's say it right now. Say, get your heart right. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, I need to get my heart right. Now, you thought I was going to make you say it to them. That, that wouldn't be appropriate. But look at the person on the other side. Say, I need to get my heart right. All right, so here we go. Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city with broken down without walls. Father, bless this message today in Jesus' name. Don't let it be just me reciting a bunch of things. Lord, truly let the power of the Holy Spirit come alive. Your words can change people. Your spirit can move people from death to life. That's the only hope we have in this world. And I ask you just touch people's hearts that are watching online, that are in this room. Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that our lives are worthless and meaningless without it. Lord, I, I just speak for that person that's here today that may be about to give up. Lord, that may be at the end of their rope. I thank you that you never give up on us, Lord, and you see our brokenness, you see our, our disappointments, and you always make a way. And I pray in Jesus' name today that if there are people in this room, like the text scripture, that are like David, Lord, who have made a mistake, Lord, or who are hurting, and feel like there's no shot at redemption. I thank you that you're the God of redemption today. Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that something supernatural would happen in the hearts of the people that hear this. And I thank you for your love, God. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that never a moment in our life where you've walked away from us and you won't start now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Have you ever met someone that has an excellent spirit? Have, I mean, have you come? I want to have some church here today. You ever met somebody who's just got a great spirit? What does that mean when you say the word spirit? Uh, sometimes you almost, almost is kind of mysterious what it means. Are we talking about ghosts? What does that mean, a spirit? Well, first of all, let's establish what that means. The word spirit really is a way. You ever heard someone say, they've got a really great energy? You ever heard that before? People talk about people's energy. Well, sometimes I think that that's just a really weird way of saying the biblical word. Sometimes a person's energy that they're talking about is really what the Bible talks about spirits, their mindset, it's their attitude, it's what they carry with them when they walk into a room. You ever notice there are some people with an excellent spirit that the moment they walk into a room, everything elevates? You ever met someone like that? That just their presence being around them, it's encouraging, it's hopeful, it's life-giving. I've heard it said before that some people are like plus signs and some people are like minus signs. Would you agree with that? How many people also know that some people are like division signs as well, uh, if there are minus signs? But that means some people are like multiplication signs as well, that when you walk in a room, everything is just lifted up, people are encouraged. I remember when I was a kid, 
Uh, my parents worked multiple jobs. My sister and I were in a lot of daycare centers that at the last minute, my parents didn't know any babysitters or whatever, and they would take us to these places that we didn't know anyone. And I just felt like so abandoned in these places. I hated them. I was like, I don't like it here. You know, and, and I remember the feeling of all these people that would giving me like these stale vanilla cookies and like fruit punch and stuff. And it was like a, and it was just an awful, I never eat vanilla cookies anymore. I only eat Oreos. And that's, that's why you're, you're learning some psychology about me right now about why I don't do certain things. But anyways, I remember that my mom, when she would show up at the end of the day and I saw her smile and I saw her walk into the room, that weird feeling, that spirit that was in that place that just wasn't my culture, well, just wasn't what I grew up with. I just craved being around someone that was hopeful and positive. When she walked into the room, it just lifted everything up. Why? She's got an excellent spirit. Have you ever met someone with a kind spirit? Come on, are y'all here today? Have you ever met someone with a generous spirit? I hope you wasn't out partying late last night and you got all your energy out uh, last night. You come to church all dead. Hey, you better bring that energy to church. Look at someone next to you say, we're here to have some church today. Don't use up your energy on Saturday night. Can I get an amen from some people that are saved in here? All right. So a generous spirit or an abrasive spirit. Have you ever met someone that just got a bad spirit? She got a bad spirit. Well, that, it's, it's the Hebrew word ruah is, where, is what spirit is. And it means the breath that's in us, our attitude, our mindset, the atmosphere that we create when we enter a room. What kind of atmosphere is set when you walk in a room? I mean, just randomly, when you walk in a business, what kind of atmosphere is set by your spirit, your mindset, your attitude? What are you bringing to the table? There is a power in an excellent spirit. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3 says, This Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So this kid, Daniel, was preferred above princes and presidents because he had an excellent spirit. Everything he touched, he touched it with an attitude of excellence. Everything he did, he did it to the highest level of his ability. I'm going to tell you something today. Your spirit defines you. Whatever the people's perception is of you is really the perception of your spirit. And your spirit makes a way for everything you do in your life. Somebody put your hand on your heart and say, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. You're not going to like this last part. Say, it's my responsibility, it's my responsibility. to manage, manage. My, own spirit. my own spirit. One more time. It's my responsibility, it's my responsibility. to manage, manage my own spirit. Okay, now I'm going to give you an example in the Bible of somebody who had a phenomenal spirit an incredible, excellent spirit, and who lost it. Okay, and, I'm gonna, and we're going to learn some principles by looking at this. It was my text scripture. And just to read that text alone really doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of like walking in toward the end of a movie and you haven't seen the rest of it and you're just trying to figure out what's going on because in Psalm 51.10, what I read earlier, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Well, if it's got to be renewed, what happened that caused his spirit to need renewing? What, what, what made it expire? It says, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Okay, now, we have to go back and look a little bit at the life of David if we're going to understand how you can get a great spirit and how you can lose a great spirit according to this scripture. 
So let's start with why God chose David. Acts chapter 13 is recapping the Old Testament. And it says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. This is God's words. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Okay, so God saw David's heart. It was his spirit that attracted God to David. It was David's heart for God that made God say, I'm going to choose him. And God, in his foreknowledge, even knew that David would do stupid things, but chose David. And he said, he'll do everything I want him to do. So obviously God wasn't saying, I want him to sleep with Bathsheba. I want him to murder Uriah. What God was saying is that despite all of his shortcomings, the things that I have intended for him to accomplish, he will accomplish the things that I want him to accomplish because he's got a heart for me. He's got an excellent spirit. Put your hand on your heart and say, it's my responsibility to manage my own spirit. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. I love this scripture. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Okay, the reason I love it is because when Samuel came to find a king, he went to, to Jesse's house and he brought out all of his sons. And you got all these brothers standing there, these big old dudes, and David is the runt of the bunch. So he walks up first to Gerard Butler in 300. He's got abs poking out everywhere. He goes, he goes, no, it's not you. He goes to Brad Pitt from Troy. He's looking all fired up. He goes, no, it's not you. He goes to Chris Hemsworth from Thor, part one, two, and all the Avengers movies. He goes, no, it's not you either. He's like, where is this guy? He keeps saying no to everyone. And finally, he he gets down to the end to this runt of a kid who's stinky because he's been outside a shepherd over a bunch of sheep writing a bunch of songs on his guitar in the middle of a field that no one have ever heard before. Things like, the, you know, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes, it's this one right here. And they're like, are you kidding me? Why did God choose the one that wasn't the most impressive? Because man looks at the outward appearance. But what does God look at? He looks at our heart. He's looking at your spirit. He's looking at the kind of attitude, the position that you have toward heaven. And one thing you can say about David, whether you like him or not, but one thing you have to say is that he had a heart for God. His heart was toward heaven. He loved God. He had a passion for the Lord. But he lost his right spirit. How did he do it? The same way that we can do it. By not managing it properly. By not keeping our spirit in the right place. By not keeping our heart in check. It shows that having a great spirit is not just a trait, like having brown hair or brown eyes or an Audi or something like that. It's, 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 not, it's not like that. No one has to walk around going, oh, I got to keep these brown eyes. No, no, that you don't have to do that. You have them. Having a good spirit is not just the luck of the draw that you just turn, you know, you were born uh, with a great disposition toward everything. And, you know, and, and a lot of people over the years said, well, I wish I was like Pastor Janice. She's always so happy. Look, look man, I grew up with my mom. You know, you know how she gets that way? She wakes up every day, and you can hear her in the other room praising the Lord through a shut door with no one watching her. She, she recites and quotes scripture over her life. She chooses to live the peaceful kind of life that she lives and a kind of life that is surrounded and covered by the Lord. It takes a lot of work. What is she doing? She's managing the spirit that God gave her. She's not letting it slip away. So we got to get the right heart. And then we got to learn how to keep the right heart. But we're talking right now about how David lost the right spirit. What did he do? What did he do that caused him to lose it? Okay, so we know he was passionate. We know that he was brave. We know that he was courageous. He fought for God. We know that Samuel chose him. 
But we also see here that he had a problem. And here's the way you can know he had a problem. One of his problems was called Bathsheba. Uh, We see that he started slipping in his life when he failed to do his duties. Okay, the story basically goes like this. It says, at the time when the kings went off to war, David was on his balcony at nighttime. Okay, well, he was a king. So if he just, can I just tell you something? Just go where you're supposed to and temptation won't pop up as much as it, it does in your life. If David just would have gone to war, he never would have been on the balcony. When Bathsheba happened to be bathing, he never would have looked at her and said, I want to hook up with her. Hey, go find her. And he never would have got her pregnant. It just it went down this whole entire road where she gets pregnant Uh, He decides he wants to be with her, so he invites her husband over, gets him drunk, and is trying to figure out a way to take him out of the equation. Finally, he literally decides to murder this guy in a slick way, and he sends him to the front lines of battle to assure that he will be killed. So he is killed, and then Nathan the prophet comes in after he has Uriah killed so so David can marry Bathsheba. Nathan the prophet comes in and looks him right in the eye and says, You dog. Look what you just did. You, he tells him this story about someone who took the only lamb that this one guy ever had. And David said, who is this guy? He deserves to die. And he says, you are the guy. That's exactly what you did to Uriah. And, and, and David, then David becomes repentant. And listen what his line was after Nathan said, you are the man. He said, I have sinned not against Uriah, not against Bathsheba, not against the kingdom. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. Okay, so I know that's not very sensitive to Uriah's family to say I have sinned against the Lord when you've murdered Uriah. But it does give us a glimpse into the heart of David. That David, the way he was wired is that my life is lived toward God. Everything I do. And as a matter of fact, Christianity is a really tough religion uh, for some people to stomach because of the fact that sin, although it may affect other people, is really ultimately directed toward God. It is falling short of the mark that he has set for us. And David understood that. So we see that David had a heart that was toward God. But we also see that he lost it because he got his eyes off the prize. And he got his eyes on something that didn't belong to him. And what did it do? It turned his heart the wrong way. And so it lead, left him in a situation Sort of like Proverbs 25, 28, where it says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Listen to that again. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down with no walls. Can you imagine sleeping at night with your doors wide open or never locking your car or, you know, just never putting any passwords on anything in your life, just having stuff open for people to do whatever? That, that's really not a safe thing to do. It's, it's not safe to have a city that doesn't have any protection. And it's saying that the city is open for attack. Your life is open for attack if you don't know how to rule your own spirit. Somebody put your hand on your heart and say, it's my responsibility to rule my own spirit. I hope you're kind of getting where this is going and where it's ultimately going to go. Do you want me to give you like the end of it right now? Where it's ultimately going to go is that it doesn't matter what other people do toward you. I think you're picking that up. That it's really not about what someone has done. It's my responsibility to manage the godly, excellent spirit that he has put in me no matter if people accept it or not. It has nothing to do with you. It's got to do with what God wants to do in my life. It's got to do with who I am called to be. That's why he had to say after he had lost it, he said, create in me a clean heart. 
What he was saying is, I didn't manufacture it to begin with. You put it there. Now it's gone. I can't just get a good attitude and have the right heart. you got to give me a new one. There's some people in this room today that need a brand new heart. There's some people that are watching online. You don't need to just change your attitude or get in a better mood or start smiling more. You need God to create a clean heart in you. He says, renew a right spirit within me. My spirit is, is invalid now. It's not working any longer. I need you to renew it. It's expired. Renew it, God. He goes on to say, cast me not away from your presence. What does that tell me? It tells me that when your spirit is not right, you're not living in the presence of God. If, you, if you're living life your own way and in your own attitude and your spirit is just however you feel in the day, you are not surrounding yourself with the presence of God. The next thing he says, cast not thy Holy Spirit from me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He's saying that when you live your life with the wrong spirit, you are not being led and guided and directed and surrounded by the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't walk away from you, but you're just choosing not to involve him in any aspect of your life. I'm preaching today. Y'all ain't even acting like I'm preaching. I, I'm, I, I put this on. I put this on. Y'all ain't even clap. I, I look like an old pastor right now. I just gave up and put on a, this, and y'all ain't even clapping today. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'll just keep going. <laughs> he says, restore to me the joy of salvation. Man, I mean, does that mean anything to you? Because what it means to me is it means that when my spirit is not right, I'm not happy. I mean, no matter how I may appear happy, I don't have true joy when I got a wrong spirit. And, what, and we're going to get into what a wrong spirit is in just a second. But he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. And I, that is so key right there. Because what he's saying is that when you lose the right spirit, it takes all these things to get it back. And then he finally says... And then once I get it back, this time help me keep it. Uphold me. Let, let it last. I don't want to ever lose it again. And how do you do that? By having a willing spirit. And what does it mean? Willing to do the will of God. Willing to make the right choice, the tough choice, the hard choice when everyone else is going negative. Who are you? You're the one that steps away and said, I'm not a part of that conversation. When everyone else wants to pile on, what do you do? You do something else. When you're invited to do something that you know does not line up with who God has called you to be. You don't have to be mean and judgmental toward other people. Just do something else. Make another choice. You don't even have to sermonize all the people that are going, I don't do stuff like that. No, just do something else. You say, I love you guys. Have a great time. Um, this is what I'm doing. You figure out a way to manage your spirit with a willing spirit. Can I get an amen from somebody here today? I'm going to take this off. No, no, I ain't taking it off. Unless y'all keep clapping. I'm going to have to take this whole thing off. It's be my T-shirt. This teaches us that a... Somebody said no. Uh, this I agree. This teaches us that a right spirit doesn't come from within us. It comes from God. It's created by him. And here's, this is really important. This is not an attitude adjustment. This is not just a... You don't just need a tweak to your attitude. That's why David is going, dude create something because it ain't here he's like he's like you got to take care this is so above me you're gonna have to take care of it God we don't need an we, we don't need behavior modification we need a holy ghost transformative supernatural download from heaven into our hearts that's what we need 
It's an inworking of the power of the Holy Spirit. When our spirit's wrong, we're not living in the presence of God, and we got to learn how to rule our spirit. And here's I'm, this, this is going to hurt right here. I'm just going to say it, though, because I wrote it. it, it we got to be careful that we're not giving influence and control of our spirit, our disposition, our heart to some external source. If you're only happy just because so-and-so likes you or just because you've got a job so-and-so or you've got so-and-so in your bank account, if you've only got an excellent spirit when things are working out your way, you don't have the kind of spirit that comes from being godly. You've got a spirit that comes from being circumstantial. So if you're giving your life and your happiness and your excellence over to things that are fleeting and that vacillate from one day to the next, you're going to live this kind of life. That's not the kind of life we're called to live. Christian growth is about slow, steady, incremental, agricultural, because it's about seed, and and that's slow. It's it's over time. And you know what? Sometimes it just kind of flatlines a little bit, but we're never going backwards. See, it's it's about that long-term keeping, and if you're basing your life and your excellence over, oh my God, he tested me and he didn't put the red heart this time. You know, if, 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 like, if, if, you're, if that devastates you and now you're broken, like you're, you're just in a season of brokenness and, and, over that, that that's, that's problematic. I think you're, you're kind of, you have no rule over your own spirit and know what you are. You are? You're a city that's broken down without walls. Now you are, you're capable of being attacked from the enemy by every, from every direction, on every side. He starts questioning your identity. He starts questioning your value, your worth. See, you're nothing. He probably texted four hearts to her. And then, you know, then no one's ever going to love you again. And you're this and you're that. And it just, it just piles on. Put your hand on your heart and say, it's my responsibility to manage my own spirit. We've got to rule our own spirit. Second Corinthians, okay, this is great. Let's put that next uh, verse up here. And, and the reason that I put this up here, it's beautiful, isn't it? The reason I put this up here is because Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Actually, the reason I know where that is is I used to have this song that says, uh, You gave a revelation, Lord, that never did I know. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, oh, 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 oh. That's how, I, that's, how I, that's how I remember that scripture. So every time I say it to you, I'm always going 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 of my song. But anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. Uh, what, it, what it basically says is this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due. Somebody say due. Okay, stay with me here. We must all appear. He's talking to Christians right now. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is a teaching on its own, but I'll just give you the condensed version really quick. 
The book of Revelation talks about the great white throne judgment, which is going to be a judgment for unbelievers. Every person that has ever lived that does not believe Jesus is their Lord and Savior and that Jesus died on a cross for their sins. Every single person, according to the book of Revelation, will be at a place called the great white throne judgment where God will literally look at, at those people and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Eternal separation from God with no possibility of redemption. Everyone else who has accepted Christ will be at what this is talking about. This is called the great white throne judgment where we, we Christians, believers, will stand before God and give an account of every thought that we have ever, that has ever crossed our minds about anyone. If you see someone say, oh, she thinks she all that, if you, that you're going to have to give an account of that. If you, for every word that you have ever said, you will give an account of that. You are personally responsible for every action in your life. If someone mistreated you and you said, look, and then you do something mean back to them, you say, look what you made me do. God is not going to judge them for what they did when he's judging you for what you, how you responded. He is going to be judging each action. Now, this is important for me to say. The great white throne judgment is not a place where he will say, get away from me, I never knew you, and send you to hell. You're going to spend eternity in heaven but you will receive what is due to you for what you've done, whether good or evil. Paul talks about it like this. You're going to see all of your works sitting in front of you. And all the good things are going to be used for the glory of God in eternity. But all of the negative things or bad things or the things that you just said flippantly that, you didn't, that didn't bring life or value or hope to anyone, you're going to watch them burn up and evaporate. And instead of rewards, you're going to lose them. It will be lost eternally. It'll just disappear. The reason I'm putting this scripture up is I want you to understand that we are responsible for our own actions. And we will be eternally responsible and culpable to Jesus for everything that we have ever done. So if we're responsible in an eternal sense, we got to remember that we're responsible in a day-to-day -day sense as well. We've got to learn how to manage our own spirit. And we live in a culture of blame. We live in a world where everyone wants to blame everyone else. We rarely want to raise our hand and say, it's my fault, I did it. It's not just modern culture, it's historical as well. Open the Bible to the book of Genesis. What happens? The serpent comes and says to Eve, did God really say? And she goes, well, and he's like, well, try this. And she's like, well, let me try this. And Adam, do you want some? Sure, I'll have some. Well, God comes and says, Adam, what did you do? He goes, she did it. <laughs> and he goes, Eve, what did you do? She goes, the serpent made me do it. I mean, from the very start, the first humans that ever existed were just like us. They didn't want to accept blame or responsibility. But the, the point I'm trying to make here today that I hope you're hearing my heart and I hope you're getting this is we have to be responsible for our own spirit. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all, guard your heart. For everything you do in your life flows from it. Guard your spirit. Guard your attitude. Guard your excellence. I'm going to give you three types of things that you need to guard your heart and guard your spirit from today. Okay, you ready? Just I'm going to hit them real quick. I'm not going to go too deep in. But the first one is a wounded spirit. Okay, so some people carry a wounded spirit. And what is that? It's a spirit of offense. It's a spirit that just is constantly upset about what someone didn't do or someone didn't say, and this person didn't say hi to me. I wasn't invited to this party. Look, everyone is in this picture, and I'm not in it. And they cropped me out. They cropped. I was right there. They Actually, they photoshopped me out. I can't even believe this. And, and, and she photoshopped 
10 pounds off her and added some to me and I'm going to, just whatever. And, and you're just so mad about everything. You, 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 no one recognized this. No one recognized that. Or you, you didn't say bye the right way or you didn't say hi the right way. And it's, you, can I just tell you something? You cannot be offended unless you feel morally superior. You don't, don't, don't clap because I, I want you to think about it. You're like, hey, move on to the next point. You can't be offended unless you feel morally superior. And that is really scary. Why? Because if, you're, if you feel morally superior, you don't understand Christianity. Because the point of Christianity is that all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are morally superior to any other person. It is no longer I that lives. Come on, help me. But Christ who lives in me. See, it's not me. It's Christ. So if I'm offended, I'm not demonstrating the gospel. What do I need to do? I need to let it go and forgive. I just need to release it, whatever that is. And I'm not saying someone didn't do something wrong. People do it all the time terribly messed up things, lie about you, talk about you, say things that aren't true. I'm just saying that if you carry that around and you put yourself in a morally superior situation, it's going to stunt your growth with the Lord. You have to let it go. You have to forgive. You got to release it. You got to get it out of your heart so you can regain your excellent spirit. You can't be forgiven until you forgive. And I got news for you. Offense is a fence that keeps you from moving into your future. Offense is a fence that keeps you from moving towards your future. So don't live with a wounded spirit. The second thing is an angry spirit. This is the, this is the Taylor Swift, look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. This is that kind of spirit, an angry spirit, constantly blaming everyone, and it's your fault, and I'm angry at this, and I'm mad at that. And 1 Peter 3, uh, Three through four says your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair, the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Somebody say gentle and quiet, which is of great worth in God's sight. Matthew 5, 5 says, blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth. You say, well, my family, we're just loud. Okay, well, I'm not talking about the volume of your voice. A quiet spirit, you can have a loud voice and a quiet spirit. You can have a loud voice and a gentle spirit. There, there are some people that just need to let go of that angry spirit, just mad about everything. I mean, you can't even go anywhere with them. It's like they go to the store, oh, they got all the lines and Walmart shut down. It's all self-checkout. <laughs> what happened to customer service? It's like, my Lord, I'll just order it off Amazon next time. Jeez, leave me alone. Just need some golf balls. You know, help me, help me here. Lord, Jesus. So, I mean, angry spirit, just mad. It's like, you know, can I just, if you honk your horn and scream, come on, just because someone has stopped at a stop sign for three seconds, you, you, need, you might have an angry spirit. You got something going on there. I mean, Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, don't sin. What does it mean? It means it's possible for us to be angry, and we should be angry when injustice takes place, but not to get in a bad spirit about it. 
You can be angry and have a right spirit about it. And it also says there, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. There's a marriage tip for you. If you want your marriage to instantly get better, stop that garbage of going to bed mad. That is ridiculous. It's not even biblical. Create a culture starting today. You can look at your spouse today and say, you know what? We're going to do that. Even though we don't like doing that, and even though we've never done it, the Bible tells us to do it. So no longer, when we're angry, will I go to bed without saying it. And I'm, I mean literally, don't let that clock, I don't mean be an absolute jerk until 11.59, but I'm saying, it's, it's like, okay, I'm sorry, I made it, I made it, I made it, I made it. No, that's not what I mean. But I'm saying definitely do not go to sleep angry. Make up and say, hey, I'm sorry. That I don't want our relationship to be like that. I don't want to bring that kind of stuff in there. I shouldn't have said it. I want to have a better day tomorrow. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, I was just about to say that. Yeah, right. You were not. But I got there first because I'm a Christian. <laughs> that's a, but, but the reason I brought that up is that's a great example of ruling your own spirit. Choosing to be the one to apologize, choosing to be the one to let anger subside and forgive and do what God has called us to. Finally, the last one is a negative spirit. You ever, you get around negative people, just negative about everything, just everything. Let's go to Disney. It rains a lot during the summer. Let's go to dinner. You can't just walk in places in Orlando anymore. You gotta get reservations. Do you have a reservation? Actually, let's just don't go to dinner. Just don't do anything, ever. Negat <laughs> Negativity. We we have a joke. We have a joke on our staff. Uh, over the over the years, I have called that in our creative meetings. I've called that sunrises and sunsets. That people can fall into uh, one or two different categories: sunrises or sunset. And no one is ever allowed in our staff meetings to mention rain when we come up with an idea, because that is like the go-to from the old days. You'd come up with any idea, you'd be like, yeah, what if we did this really cool little thing outside where the moms could take photographs? What if it rains? So we just don't allow that. We just don't, no one's allowed to talk about rain anymore because I hate that negative spirit idea. You know, can I tell you something? And please listen to this or go back and watch this online or please write it down, remember it. I feel like there's some important stuff that I'm about to say about neg negativity. Negativity is deeper than simply what people say. This is, this is pretty intense right here. Negativity is a reflection of a deep belief system. Okay, let, let's get deeper than negativity. Where does it come from? It's a reflection of a deep belief system that shapes the way people receive information and the way they transmit it. See, a negativity is a mindset that interprets information in a certain way and releases it in a certain way. And what do I mean by that? Based on the idea of confirmation bias is that people are looking for information that confirms what they already believe. So if they have a negative view of the world, there are some people on this planet that could hear 99 amazing positive things and they hear one negative thing. That is the only thing they will focus on. But conversely, there are some people that could hear 99 negative things and they hear one positive thing. And you know who they turn into? They turn into Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber when she says, there's no chance. He goes, well, how about it? Could you give me some odds? She's like, okay, maybe one in a million. He's like, so you're saying there's a chance. That should be us when it comes to, when it comes to faith. 
We should literally be Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber because we need to get that attitude of get negativity out of your life. Learn how to process information in a way that says, Jesus, if you're involved, there's hope in it. If, if you're gonna be at the party, then there's gonna be hope there because I know that you can turn this thing around for me. We need to speak out what's overflowing from our hearts, but also listen and hold on to what confirms our deepest beliefs of faith. Our faith is a journey of believing, not just what we claim to believe. What we actually believe is evident by what we, by what we hold on to and what we release. I wanna say that one last time. What we actually believe is evident by what we hold on to and what we release. If I hear a report that doesn't line up with what God has spoke to me about my future, do you know what I do? I release it. I ain't holding on to a bunch of junk in my life, other people's opinions about what I can and can't do or what, what our church will or will not do or if I believe in healing or I don't believe in healing because I haven't seen the miracle yet. I don't really care what outside sources say about what God has told me. If I hear something that doesn't line up with the Bible, I'm gonna release it. I'm not gonna hold on to it. I'm gonna let it go, even if it doesn't make natural sense. And here's the, the final thing I'll leave you with. Philippians 4 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. That is how you can make sure that you have got your heart right. It's called get your heart right. And that's how you can know. What are you talking about in life? Are they things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling? gracious, things that believe the best, not the worst. Those are the kinds of things that come out of your life when your heart is right with God. Get your heart right today. Ask God to create a clean heart in you. Ask God to renew a right spirit in you. I know, I know there's a great future out there for you. I know that this week, it's gonna start this week. If you choose today, I believe that you can step into something brand new, a brand new mindset, a brand new attitude. Leave the past behind. Who's ready to go on that journey with me? I'm gonna take that journey this week. I wanna step into something brand new in my life. I wanna get my heart right and make sure the power of the Holy Spirit renews me from the inside out starting today. So do me a favor, would you all lift up your hands in the building today? Let's close our eyes. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that what we just spoke about would just happen right now. Holy Spirit, create a clean heart in every hand that is lifted in this place. Renew a right spirit with every hand that is lifted in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just be sensitive. You, one of your names is he who searches the hearts. Lord, use that aspect of who you are right now to confirm with each and every person here that they can trust you. They don't have to take matters into their own hands. They can simply live with an excellent spirit and watch their lives line up with your purpose and your will in every area. I speak faith, prosperity, blessing, healing, hope, encouragement, a spirit of an overcomer, all the things that they're gonna need to walk this out every day of their life. I speak it over every person in this room. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, come on, let's give God one last praise today. Love you guys so much. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.